What's going on guys? Real quick before I start the show, there's a couple things that I wanted to touch on real quick. First of all, to check out Pastor Mark's book after listening to the episode. If you're interested in that, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to put it in the description, a link to his book and then also a link to his website where I'm sure you can find the book on there as well. And then also um, there's going to be a link on there for my merch store where you can buy shirts and, and uh, stickers and cups, that sort of thing. Um, but then also, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, the whole purpose behind all this is we're trying to reach as many people as we can with the gospel. And you could play a role in that also just by doing a simple liking of the video, commenting on the video, um, even if it's something as simple as just like I enjoyed the episode or even if it's like constructive criticism, you know, that's always welcome because I'm trying to improve and trying to get better each and every week, each and every episode. Um, and so the bottom line is the more engagement that I get, the more YouTube pushes it up the algorithm and the more people that we're able to reach. If you look in First Chronicles 4.10, Jabez prays to the Lord and asks him to enlarge his border. And that's the prayer that I'm having for this podcast, that the Lord enlarges the border and allows us to be able to reach as many people as we possibly can with the truth of the gospel. And so um, if you're watching this on YouTube, just uh, do me a favor and go down and like the video, comment on there if you feel led to do so. And then also if you're watching this or listening to this rather on Apple, um, if you could just um, go all the way down to the bottom, give me five stars, four stars, you know, um, anything less than four, don't worry about it. But four or five stars, I would greatly appreciate it. You don't have to write a uh, comment or anything like that, but those are always welcome as well and greatly appreciated. And it goes a long way. It really does. It seems like it doesn't do anything, but it all works together and, and pushes it out to more ears. So um, with that being said, I think that's all I got for you. Hopefully you guys enjoy the show. God bless you guys. podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. I'm very, very excited about this conversation today. Um, I have Pastor Mark Sowersby. Did I say your last name right? Perfect. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Donovan, for having me on. It's an honor and a blessing to be with you and be able to share my testimony and my story with you and your audience. Thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. We connected, I guess, probably right around after Thanksgiving, some somewhere around there. Yeah. And um, I kind of looked into a little bit of your backstory and I, I saw, I don't know if it was, you were on the 700 club, right? I was. Yeah. I, I think I, so I, so I guess that's where the, the interview that I had looked at. Cause I, and then it's uh, probably about 15 seconds into your testimony. I was like, yeah, we need to connect. We need to, to make this happen. So um, your story is a story that is very powerful. And, you know, we're going to get into all that. And and I think right now, a time more than ever, the enemy tries to make people feel like they're alone. Mm. And I think one thing that people need to understand, and I'm not trying to downplay your story at all, but our stories are not unique to us, right? right. The enemy tries to make us feel that way, tries to make us feel like we're alone and and keep us in that place of, you know, bitterness, keep us in that place of holding grudges and, and not being able to forgive and let people go. And so I'm very, very excited about this conversation. Thank you for coming on. And for having me. we're, we're going to get into all that. Um, but before we do, I do something on here called the big three and yeah. the big three, it's just an icebreaker. It's just three random questions. So you ready to go? I, I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Here, it won't be too painful. It won't be too painful. So uh, well, first of all, did you did you guys have a good Christmas and New Year's? We did. We had a couple yeah. sniffles and coughs. We were fighting, but ultimately it was great to be with family and friends and be at church. Yeah, yeah we had a good time. We had a great blessing. How about you? Did you and your family have a good time? Yeah, and, you know, it was the same. My uh, Our kids got sick the day after Christmas, and they're still, I mean, my wife had to take our, our youngest to the doctor yesterday just because she can't seem to get over it, you know, and when you have multiple kids, you know, they just pass it back and forth, you know? Yeah. yeah so, um, in our family too. It was just, yeah. One between another. So 
Yeah. yeah. So it was, but it was good. It was good. It was, it was a lot of good food. You know, I, I don't think I was thankful that both of the holidays were on Sundays cause you could kind of get a full weekend. And, but I think it was, that was good, but it was bad for the waistline. Cause I think I just ate the whole time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, you know, the waistline's never that good for me, but you're, you're, I know, but that's that's what happens. And yeah, it was it was great being on both weekends. I'm a pastor, so yeah, it's right. great to celebrate uh, those services in those days with my church family and also my yeah. extended family, of course, my immediate family too. So to have all that together to be able to share in the morning on Christmas morning to preach a sermon uh, of Christ's birth. And then to be able to kind of share with our loved ones and friends, it was a, it was a full, wonderful weekend uh, to mm -hmm. be able to celebrate Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, with all that in mind, yeah. maybe a memorable, first question, memorable or a weird gift that you can remember getting? Well, we're going to go way back, way Let's back go. to when I was a kid. And we're going to talk a little bit about when I was a kid. So mm -hmm. growing up, there was kind of, a lot of mess. It was just, it was just ugly a lot of times. But I'll never forget the Christmas I got my inchworm. Now it was, it was the seventies, mm -hmm. and it was a green inchworm that that you kind of, kind of ride. It was kind of like a, a scooter. Okay. Or, you know, and you, you know, you're little. I was probably a young kid, but I'm never forgetting the excitement I got to get my inchworm. Yellow seat looked like a worm. You know, the eyes were yellow. The 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 seat looked like a uh, you know, some kind of yellow uh, uh, where you sat on it, and I just yeah, like a little saddle. So, yeah, yellow. See, you're from the south. You remember south? Right? <laughs> yeah, right off the bat, going at me for being a southerner. No, no, I let's love let's it. go. I love it. I love it. You know? So uh, yeah, it, it seems like anytime I have somebody on after we get done or before we even start recording, they're like, "Where are you from?" You know, and I'm like, you know, but uh, yeah, I was, I was. Uh, my usually my mother-in-law every Christmas gets me a uh, like a sweatsuit, sweatpants, sweatshirt type deal. Sure. And so this past Christmas, she gets me sweatpants. And so I came home from work. This was like the week after Christmas. And my wife says, hey, can you run to the store and get whatever? And so I said, yeah, you know, this would be a good time to wear the sweatpants your mom got me. So I put on the sweatpants and I'm like, these feel kind of weird. Like, I don't know what the deal, they feel kind of tight or something. Okay. So I walk out and uh, I asked my wife, I'm like, do these look weird on me? And she's like, they look really tight. She said, what size are they? And I said, well, I think they're extra large. So I come back in our room, take them off and look at them and they're women's sweatpants. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my mother-in-law had got me women's sweatpants. So my wife got a, a new pair of sweatpants, but uh, <laughs> so uh, question number two, your first car. My first car was a, uh... Uh, a Maverick. So yeah. it was a Mercury Maverick. It kind of, you know, that's what it was. Uh, it was the, it was the 80s. Uh, it was already an older car by then. It was probably built in like 75. It already had a lot of miles on it, but a Mercury Maverick. That was my first mm -hmm. car. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, you always hear, usually there's always some kind of hiccups with a, with a first car, you know, you have some kind of issues with it. I know for mine, I had a Pontiac Grand Prix and, uh, it, after a little bit, the, the switch where you put the key in to turn the ignition, I guess it got wore out or whatever. You didn't even need to have a key to turn the car on. You could just turn it on by hand. Well, <laughs> so it was like, yeah, we got mine used, obviously, you know, like I said, sure. it's probably like a 75, 76. And I got it 10 years later when I became 16 <laughs> in the mid yeah. and. And it literally had fur on the dashboard. Somebody, oh my gosh! It was it was a groovy car, you know. It yeah, was happening. So a Mercury yeah. Maverick. Yeah, mm -mm -mm. Mercury Maverick. All right. So question number three: favorite movie villain? Wow, wow, boy! I thought you were gonna ask me favorite movie, favorite mo villain. Boy, you're, yeah. Boy, that takes a moment for me to think about what would be my favorite villain. Mm -hmm. um, I, boy, I'm, I'm speechless in this one. I'm very, uh, I'm very, I'm not speechless often. So uh, <laughs> we're often. off to a good start. Yeah, we're off to a good start. You got me on this one. I asked my wife because I always run the questions about her before, you know, beforehand, and she has a lot to do with this. The, the whole 
big three, it comes from anytime me and her go on vacation or we go on a road trip, we just ask each other, you know, random questions the whole time. And uh, she said hers was uh, like uh, the bat, the bad guy from like Emperor's New Groove or something. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. Come on, you gotta, you gotta come. I said Bane from Batman. Yeah, that you I know, know that's Bane. He was a good one. Yeah, um, as we really as we were talking earlier, what did we both say? We both have four kids, and you know our heads <laughs> are full of, full of a lot of stuff. But uh, you know, I, I you know, I. I, Bang's a good one. Anybody from the yeah. MCU, I think, or, uh, mm-hmm. or Mike Myers, you know, if you're into Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good Christmas. one. Too. I didn't even think about him. That's, that's right. a good one. That's, that's a good one. one. So uh, that's the big three. So if you don't mind before we kind of get into because I know you got the book, you got the book there behind you. Uh, before we get into that, do you want to share just a little bit of your testimony? You know, you're, I know you said you got four kids. I know you and your wife have been, have been uh, Jennifer, right? That's right. Yeah. Been married for what, 17, 18 years? Oh, we're, we're on 19 now. We're 19. Right we're okay. We'll celebrate 20 years. So, 19 oh, wow. years. We have four kids. Uh, mm-hmm. We live a regular life trying to love our neighbors and trying to figure out this crazy world, paying the high gas prices, just trying <laughs> to, you know, like anybody else, uh, just trying to figure out who we are and what we do. So, yeah, I've been married. Uh, this will be my 20th year, four kids. Uh, got a son go. My my son just got his license, so pray for me there. Uh, you know, so all those things. I'm a pastor. I pastor up here in Massachusetts, as we say, wicked awesome and ka. We're all very <laughs> good fans. And there you, know, you go. Uh, you know, so we love we love our sports. Tom Brady broke our heart when he left for Florida. Uh, so yeah, I'm just a regular guy that has an incredible story of God's grace and mercy. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I want to get into the book, um, Forgiving the Nightmare. And and like I said, na- um, nowadays, too, there's a lot of people who struggle with forgiveness, who struggle with things of the past. And I know the enemy loves to and I'm sure you'll you'll go into that. The enemy loves to point out the things in our past and try to say, you know, you're no good. You can't do anything because look at what's what's happened in your past. Sure. And he tries to derail what God ultimately has planned for you by using the things of the past. And I think your story is just a perfect testament to that and you not allowing the enemy to succeed as far as that goes. So if you, I mean, just however you want to start and go into it, sure. we can, you know, you know, yeah. um, I think everybody has a trauma. Everybody has something they've walked through, some kind of hurt, pain uh, that's tried to uh, change their identity, that's tried to capture them, tried to tear them down. And in my trauma in my life, is that unfortunately I was horribly abused growing up. From the ages of 7 or 14, my mother's husband, uh, who was 20 years her younger, uh, came into our home and he abused me. He abused me in every way, shape, or form that somebody can be abused. He abused me with uh, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, but he physically and sexually abused me. He beat me, he stabbed me, he raped me, sold me to others to be raped. And for those seven years, from 7 to 14, this was my existence. This is where I, what I lived in. This was daily, sometimes two, three times a day that these things were happening to me. So, uh, you know, with such a trauma of child abuse and, and perversion and, and just a lot of hate around me, this was the atmosphere that I lived in. This was the culture that I was a part of. Uh, this is just, just every day around me. And we all have a trauma. We all have something that's hurt us, wounded us, or tried to control us. And I think as an abused victim for, for many years uh, of my life, and I don't say even after the abuse stopped, even after the abuse stopped for many years, it affected me, obviously. It stole the pound of flesh, if you would. I went through every kind of a emotion that somebody would go through. I've, I found myself being angry and uh, being just in pain and in sorrow. But really what I felt most, most of my life in those years, I felt numb. I just felt empty mm. uh, in all those years of my life. So, so you know, that's what took place. And it's an ugly story, but because of grace, the grace of God, I'm able to say that God's given me the grace to get through that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear the, the way that you talk about it and the way you describe it. To me, all I'm hearing in your voice, I don't, I'm not hearing hurt. I'm not hearing, I'm hearing freedom. Amen. 
Amen. The way that you speak about it, I, I hear freedom. And so many times people can never get that freedom that Christ gives because it's e- it is, it's easier just to hold on to those harder feelings, right? It is. It is. And, you know, that freedom that you hear is not something that came lightly or quick. It was a sure. journey. It was a journey. That's why I call my book Forgiving the Nightmare. You know, one day mm. I went to church one day, I threw two bucks in the plate and I said a prayer and I went home. This was years of one step forward, two steps back, me throwing in the towel, me saying everything that anybody would want to say, why should I forgive? They don't deserve forgiveness. Why should I be the, yeah. so I went through all those emotions and I still have my triggers. I, I, the enemy still tries to hold me back and still tries to lie to me. Still tries to say, that's all you'll ever be. So again, yeah. because I confess forgiveness, because I've confessed grace doesn't mean I still don't have my emotions and I still don't go through days of ups and downs, if you would, but it doesn't control me anymore. And that doesn't identify me anymore. And I think that's the freedom you hear. I don't pretend that I wasn't molested. I don't pretend that I wasn't hurt. That's a part of my narrative. It's part of my story. It's a part of what made me me as wrong as it was, but it's, it's what made me me. But I say, you know what? God's bigger in my life. And by going through this journey that was filled with tears and disappointments and victories and surrendering and picking it back up by having that journey of forgiving and them still on it. I'm still forgiving. Uh, then I have a freedom that comes with forgiving and Christ giving me his love and grace. That's good. That's good. And if there's, if there's something that I, you know, I don't want to, you know, pry or, or anything yeah. like that, but it's, I, I, when you're when you're living in something like that, because I know that this is something that a lot of people are dealing with, you know, this 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 topic of abuse and and things of that nature. When you're in that moment, when you're in those moments for what'd you say, seven years, seven to fourteen? Seven to fourteen. I could first of all, I'm trying not to get emotional because I have four kids. And mm. anytime I hear, you know, anything like this. It just, it makes me think of my kids. You know what I mean? Sure. And my, you know, my daughter is eight years old and I couldn't imagine, you know, so just, and, and when you have something traumatic in your life, it's something that you don't forget. You could, you can think back to a single moment, right? That's right. That's right. So thinking back to those moments, how, how, living in that, how, like the day to day, I know it had to be like a hopeless feeling or whatever, but what was kind of the, your mindset throughout? Like, cause it, I know I'm not going to pretend like I, I know, cause I did not go through any of this, sure. but I can imagine just the feeling like this is, this is my life. It's ne- this is never going to come to an end. Well, one of the words we hear often now is being groomed. And I think, you know, being groomed means that somebody has manipulated you, lied to you uh, and said, this is the way life is. And as a child, you reason like a child. And at seven years old, uh, that man came into my life and he abused my body. And like every abuser, they blame the one that they abused. This is your fault. Mm. This wouldn't happen if you didn't do it. Don't tell anybody. They'll be mad at you. You will be taken away. Everybody will know it's your fault. So, you know, again, as I look back at my life and go, oh, I should have done this and I could have done that. I was seven years old. I did not know yeah. my biological father. My mom at the time was carrying so much pain and hurt in her own life because of past relationships and d- divorce and things like that, that she didn't have the skills or the ability to defend me or to lead me through that. Uh, my mom kind of grew up in a generation that if you didn't talk about it, it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. you know, if we didn't talk about it, it didn't happen, even though it was happening. So here I was seven years old. Um, you know, trying to figure out what's happening, not having any reference for it, not understanding. Uh, it's just a different time in culture. It was a different time in society. You know, we didn't really talk about those things like we do today. There wasn't advocacy. There wasn't support. There wasn't groups that you could reach out to. So I felt really alone. I didn't know how to reason those things. So what happened as in those years, again, I think the best thing I can say is even though I felt angry and I and I wanted revenge and I wanted it to stop and and I was sad and I was broken and I was lost, those seven years I felt numb. It, it, that's the best word I can explain it. It was just 
This was the, the atmosphere. This was the, the oxygen. This is where I live. And this is what happened. And again, I was being groomed to believe it was my fault. So, and that's what the abusers do. They lie to those. Sure. Abused, so. Yeah. Yeah. So going through that for seven years, how did you get to a place? Because I've, I've had somebody on in the past and he talked about going through abuse as a child. And I'll just ask you the same type of question I asked him as far as this goes. How do you get to a place when you look, because you said you never knew your biological father and you look to this man who is supposed to step in and kind of play that father role, right? How do you get to a place where you hear about God, who is our heavenly father, and you say, I want to choose to follow him? How do you get to that place? Because I, I would think in your mind, it would be like, I don't want to have anything to do with a father if this is if this is what a father is. Yeah, and that's a great question. That's that's a deep and powerful question. You know, first of all, I've never seen my abuser, even in those early years, maybe because he was so much younger than my mom. We're talking about, you know, almost 20 years younger than my mom. And my mom, that relationship was really toxic. It, it, it was more about enabling than it was about love. It, my, that relationship was just ugly in every way. And I'm sure my mom was being abused in a sense. Maybe not oh, like yeah. I was, but in a sense. So, so what happens at that moment? You know, really, I had other people step up and defend me. Mm. So at 14, two things happened. I got big enough mm -hmm. to fight off my defender. I got larger sure. in stature. I was maturing. I was, I think, heading into high school or junior high, eighth grade, ninth grade. And I said, you know what? If you're going to take a pound from me, I'm going to take a pound for you. I was no longer going to be this submitful, broken uh, person. Now I was going to swing back. And that kind of stopped a lot, you know, but at the same sure. time I found my uncle and mm -hmm. I reached out to my mother's brother and he defended me. He defended me with his love, with his words, with his actions, with his support. So I think those two things coming together, me being larger in stature and fighting off my defender, uh, my abuser and defending myself, but then also finding an adult in my life that really believed me and protected me. And I think those things started to help me at least at the beginning to start trust. I think one of the first casualties of any kind of trauma, abuse, mine was child abuse. There's a lot of kind of abuses out there or trauma is that you lose trust. You know, I didn't trust anybody or anything. Mm. I had to start on this journey to trust. And probably one of the first pre person I ever trust was my uncle because he defended me and supported me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, the Lord, he's always with us, even in times where we don't think he is. So the way that he surrounded you with people to kind of, even if you don't think about it in the moment, like the Lord's at work, yeah. Um, just understanding that he, he's always going to put, you know, some, somebody around you or some kind of circumstance to, you know, just to, to comfort, you know, sort of in a way and to help you, help you through all that. So going off, going through that type of thing for that many years, was there, I'd, I'd imagine there's kind of like a confusion almost about your body in, oh, in sure. a way. Confusion, um, yeah. fear, insecurities, yeah. uh, not really knowing what happened, not knowing, uh, you know, the enemy's lying, your abuser's words are echoing in your head. Uh, it's your fault. It's your fault. Uh, so what had started to happen for me is about 18 months, 16 to 18 months later, I found myself in a youth group. Uh, long story okay. there, the lifeguard at, at the apartment complex invited me to go to church. Uh, I don't know what anywhere she asked me to go. She was this beautiful lifeguard, and I heard her boyfriend pick me up for church that night. So you know, <laughs> that's what happened. But uh, I went to church, and there I found acceptance. You know, I was isolated. Mm. I felt all alone. I had no one to, yeah. to lean on or trust. So what did that youth group give me? It gave me peers. It gave me acceptance. It, I found friends. I found a safety. Truly for me, the church in every sense of the way became a sanctuary. You know, not just the spiritual side, but it really became where I felt safe. Uh, and mm. in that journey, and there are a lot of steps I talk about in my book, but there's where I first found Christ. I said the sinner's mm. prayer. I probably didn't even understand the depth of what I was praying, but God did. I said, Lord, come into my life. And that's mm -hmm. really when the journey began because I didn't know anything about the word. I didn't know anything about. Sure. Faith. I didn't know about trusting God. And that's where the Lord started to teach me God's nature. Uh, that's where I started to learn. 
And not that everybody, I did not go to a perfect church and the people around me were not perfect. They made their mistakes, mm -hmm. but many of them cared and led, you know, it was the eighties. We had mullets, you know, and uh, so, those are coming back around, by the way. Come on. <laughs> you know, there I was in my Maverick, you know, so, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, those are the, those are the days. Yeah. It's um, <clears throat> I think talking a little bit about, just kind of the confusion over the body and stuff like that. The, I think right now you see so much confusion in the world. You see so much chaos in the world. And, and I was thinking about it the other day. Um, all the confusion over the, the body and all the confusion over man and woman, and, you know, just everything that's going on right now. When you look in the word, because I, I was really thinking about it the other day. Why, why is there's such an attack and, and such a confusion on the on the body itself, right? Why why is all this stuff going on? And just like praying and, and seeking and, and trying to read the word and, and trying to figure it out for myself, because you know it, I, you want to find out answers. You don't want to just question things and then not find out answers. So I was reading and it really brought me to. I think it was. For, uh, I want to say it's First Corinthians six. Uh, I think it's like nineteen through twenty one, where it talks about our body is a temple. And if you look in like the, the before Jesus came, um, before Jesus came to earth and died on the cross and paid for every sin ever, um, the priest would go into the temple, right, and, and offer up a sacrifice. And that would be the, the payment for the sin and whatnot. Right. And so when Jesus came and tore the veil, he there's no more. It's it's he said, I'm leaving. And when I leave, I'm going to send a comforter. And I was reading in the in the verse in First Corinthians where I'm thinking, okay, so he sends, he says, I'm leaving and I'm sending the Holy Spirit down. The Holy Spirit is going to dwell inside of Amen. you, right? If you if you choose to accept Jesus into your heart, right? We have that free will, we could choose. And so I'm reading this this passage in First Corinthians, and I'm thinking, oh, that's that's why there's so much confusion right now. That's why there's so much attack, because our body is the temple. Right. Our body is made like we are supposed to created to be in relationship with Christ. So our body is that temple. So so if we are trying, if the devil is trying to get the world and get everyone away from God, because he is the polar opposite of God. Right. Sure. Then let's confuse the temple. Right. Because our body like it says in the word is a temple for the Holy spirit, yeah, yeah. you know? So if, if he can get you to a place, whether it be through an abuser, whether it be through entertainment, wh whatever the case may be, if he can get you to be confused about what your body actually is supposed to be, then you could just be in that place of confusion and you can't fully be that temple that you are made and created to be. You know what yeah, I mean? That's, that's a great point. I, I think for me, if I can go back and talk a little bit about my situation, uh, sure. Obviously, I was I was molested or raped by a male, and that right, uh, yeah, that, yeah. You know, obviously, there's a lot of questions: why, how, what. Uh, mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. with with study and understanding, uh, you know, I, I've I've studied this, but then being a you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, so I I never I never saw myself attracted to men, but it was really important to have a girlfriend, you know, to make me feel normal. Um, I was mm. too young. I, I didn't know how to, you know, I didn't know how to exactly. be in a relationship, but it was really important for me to have a girl under my arm so I could say to the world, Hey, see, and, and again, I, I was a kid mm. from a messed up background. So, you know, but that was the thing that was driving me. I think it wasn't that I was confused about what I was attracted to, but I just did not, you know, as a child, we're going back 15, 16 years old. Um, I didn't know how to be a boyfriend. I didn't know how to be because I was going through this hurt and pain in my own life. But I was, uh, I, it was important for me to have a girlfriend to kind of prove to myself, if you would, or prove to the what I thought was others uh, that I had that. And, yeah. and what you know, I'll put my pastor's hat on and talk about like what we just talked about about the tack on on the body. I think anything God has created, Satan Satan is attacking. Anything, Absolutely. gender, marriage, church, truth, anything God has created, Satan is trying to attack. So 
I, I, he just hates. He's the father of lie. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And That's anything right. God has has ordained, anything God spoke into life, anything God placed before us, uh, that the enemy just hates it so much. It's it's just pure hatred. That again, I think anything, and you can take it. You can take it and look at gender. You can take a look at marriage. You can take it and look at like there's no more truth, right? God, Jesus said, "I am truth. I am the way, truth, and life." And society's attacking truth. Society's attacking any any standards or anything that was breathed by God from all the topics. The enemy is uh, is attacking that, and uh, because he hates he hates God. And he hates those who follow yeah. God. You know, he he doesn't play. He hates us. So I'll take the pastor hat off, and I'll I'll go no, back to good. the testimony hat. No. That. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I love that. And and um, so yeah, going back to the testimony a little bit. So you said it, you know it was kind of important to kind of show the world, like, look, I'm the same kind of in a way, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of like, okay, see, I'm the same as everybody else. I I got a girlfriend. I'm kind of yeah. you know what I'm saying like I'm the same as everybody else. At kind of almost like a defense mechanism exactly. type. Exactly. It was kind of like, you know, I, I, I was just trying to be anything to be feel normal, you know, which I wasn't. I was sure. hurt. I was lost. I was confused. I was, I didn't understand. I, I, I accepted Jesus Christ, but now I had to be discipled. I had to, I had to grow in Christ, you know? Mm-hmm. So was your uncle, was he a Christian man? Uh, he was a man of faith. Uh, he wasn't a churchgoer. But he had a faith, uh-huh. you know. I think his faith was, faith was personal. Um, but I, yeah. I don't, wouldn't say that he was a churchgoer Sunday morning. He was a blue collar blue guy, uh, you know. He yeah. worked hard, and but you know he probably wasn't a guy you'd find in a pew. But I would not. Uh, he sure. was not a, a man of faith. But it, again, about sixteen years old, uh, the Lord brought me to a church, and that church we not the not not perfect, like I said. But I had a lot mm-hmm. of father figures. Uh, I had a lot of men yeah, in our awesome. church that that you know led me and guided me and gave me a rebuke when I needed. It. I didn't like it then. I appreciate it now. Sure. Gave me a gave me some strength when I needed it, and that's how the Lord led me. But ultimately, it was God. You know, um, what happened is in my journey to forgive, and again, one step forward, one step back. I always kind of envisioned it that one day I would wake up and all that pain would be gone. The memory, the mm. thought, the insecurities and the fears would all be gone. Uh, Lord, I'll know that I'm good when all this is gone. And to be honest mm. with you, it's never been all gone. It was the Everest mm. in my life, the mountain that cast its shadow on everything I did. Every room I walked into, mm. I felt like trash. Every word I said, said felt so insignificant. Everything I did was uh, first filtered through this abuse, this pain, this this shadow that casted over me. And I realized forgiveness mm-hmm. was coming and grace was coming in my life when God became bigger than all that. That mountain of abuse never good. became smaller. And not you know, if I let myself lean into it, it still gets as big as it was when I was a child. But what happened is God became bigger. God's word and God's truth and God's love became brighter than the lie and the hurt of the enemy. So you know, do I have my days? Do I have my triggers to certain smells and sounds? Of course. Well, that means you're not forgiven. No, I've forgiven. I'm delivered. I'm set free uh, as long as I abide in Christ. You know, as long as I, I mm-hmm. die to self and I live in Christ and I and I have that, that concept and that view of Calvary. And as I stand in that promise, and that's these other things, not that they are any less significant or any less uh, hurtful, but God has become so good. God's become so bigger than all the pain, and He's given me that perspective of His love and grace. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's it's it reminds me of two verses. It, the the verse in James where it says, "Draw near to God, and He will draw near yeah. to you," and and then Romans twelve one where in twelve one and two where it's, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed and by the renewing of your mind." And it's just that you have to especially with a situation like yours. And like I said, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know the pain, like I know the hurt because I, I didn't go through any of that. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's, we all have things in our life. Like you said, we all have traumas. We all have issues that we go through. And it's that choice to wake up daily and say, Lord, I'm submitting this to you today. I'm submitting this hurt to you. I'm submitting all of this 
because this is not me, right? This is this can be used for you ultimately. And that, I think that's what you do so well is just highlighting that to people saying, yeah, I went through pain, but God is bigger than this pain and he could pull me through. So he could pull you through as well, whatever exactly. you're going I through. I think for a long time, I allowed it. If you know the world told me I could, I allowed my abuse to become my identity. It's because it's new. Yeah. You know, I think about the book of Genesis and we read about the story of Jacob and Jacob begins to uh, wrestle with an angel all night long. And you know the story, you know, he wrestles, yes, touched the hip, but, but Jacob won't let him go until he blesses him. He says, you know, the angel says, mm -hmm. let me go. Jacob says, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the angel says to him, what's your name? And as you know, and many of your listeners know that Jacob in, in the biblical times meant deceiver. That's what the name meant. And he says, I, I want a new name. I don't want to be called Jacob anymore. I, I don't want to be seen as the deceiver. So the angel said, what? He said, your name's Israel uh, because you've wrestled with God and man and have overcome. And in a sense, I think that those of us that have gone through trauma. The trauma tries to identify us as broken, less mm. than, foolish, insecure. And, you know, this is all you'll ever be. Because when you walk through abuses, you're always waiting for the other foot to drop. It can't be that good. Mm. Something's going to happen. She's going to leave me. Uh, the job's going to fire me. Something bad is about to happen because it always happens. I've, it's been too good for too long. Something, I'm going to get sick. Or, you know, you're always thinking about that other thing because you feel broken because somebody stole from you your innocence and they stole from you your dignity. They stole from you your value. You know, I was abused from 7 to 14. And even when the abuse stopped, the echo of my abuser was still in my head, stealing from me that dignity and value. But as I wrestled with my past and I wrestled with God, because God said, forgive. I said, I, God, are you crazy? How can I? They don't even deserve forgiveness. I can't do that. That's right. Know? But God yeah. told me to forgive. And I wrestled with all that. And, I, and that's the best way to say it. There was ups and downs and tears and victories and, you know, surrenders. And I had the whole gamut. But then one day God would say to me, Mark, you're no longer the victim. And I remember going, God, if I'm not a victim, what am I? And God would say, well, now you have victory in me. You're victorious. So, uh, you know, so I've, I've, I try to live my life. I'm, I'm far from perfect. And not that I don't have my days, but I try to live my life in the light of Christ, knowing that even though I went through all this, it doesn't have to own me or identify me. You know, I have kids, you have kids. I'm going to pass enough junk down on my kids. Ask my wife. She'll tell you, I teach them to watch TV too much and eat too many snacks. Uh, I'm going to pass them <laughs> down to them. My wife's going to strangle me. But, but I don't want to pass them. Come, come, come on, Jen. Come on, Jen. Cut the man a break. Let him watch, let him watch some right, football. Right, come right. on. But I, I, don't, I yeah. don't want to uh, pass this down. You know, I, I mm. don't want to, to pass this anger, this hurt, this, these, these fears and insecurities. So by Christ giving me victory, I'm able to find victory in Christ. Again, enough junk's going to be passed down, but not the, the sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And, and I think, you know, you talk about how you felt like there was a time where you're like, I, I can't forgive them for sure, what they've done. Sure, and there's, there is, obviously that's real when you're going through that kind of pain, but I think, and it's, it's a whole lot easier said than done. But when you're, when you, when you look at the big picture, like in, in you saying that, and I'm not just saying you, anybody who's saying I can't forgive somebody, then you're saying that the price that Jesus paid on the cross wasn't enough. Well, in yeah, a way, probably to a degree you're saying, you don't. I don't think you're saying it out that, at that moment, you're not saying. But just, but just, just no, 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 not, not like you're directly saying, but just that you're ultimately, if you're telling somebody, you know, I can't forgive this person, then, then to me, I feel like, you know, the, the word talks about, you know, um, the Lord told his disciples, you know, they asked him how many times should you forgive someone seven times. And he said, no, 70 times seven. Right. I mean, you're not supposed to keep up with how many times you're forgiving sure. people. You're supposed to give you're supposed to show forgiveness. And then in return, the 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 grace and the mercy that you express to others, that is the same grace and mercy the father will Amen. express towards you. Amen. Right. 
And so in, in doing that, I think, cause I've had, I've had struggle, not to the degree again of yours, but I, I've had things in my life where me and my dad, you know, we, we have a great relationship now, but there was a time where we did not. And there was a time where I said, you know, if he ever does apologize, I can't, I'm not going to forgive him. And there's things that I kept him from doing that he wanted to do because I said, I can't forgive him. And like I said, this is not anywhere on the same level. I'm not trying to put our two stories together, but but to me, it it got me to a point where I'm sent, where I where the Lord said to me, like, how are you showing that I am risen and I died for you and I've forgiven you when you can't forgive somebody else? Yep. Yeah. And that's ultimately where you have to get. You got to get a different perspective. You know, you get the perspective yeah. of Christ and the cross and realizing that forgiveness is important. If, if God can forgive a sinner like me. And who am I not to forgive mm. others? But that's a part of the journey right. of forgiveness. I think you have to kind of go through this process. And, and I think a couple of things happen. I think that I always understood forgiveness one way. And I, and I think there's a there's a bigger view of forgiveness. So I was taught forgive and forget, forgive and let go, forgive and accept, forgive. And, you know, and when somebody has taken so much from you, you know, how can you forget my body? being ravished how can i forget me being sold to other men for their own perversion how can i forget the being stabbed in my side or my you know you can't forget that but you know i i thought that's what i was supposed to do don't forget all that and just have kumbaya moments i'm thinking i I can never have Mm. that so i think i had to learn what forgiveness was so i could give forgive forgiveness is not forgive and forget how, how could it be? I mean, God gave me a brain, right? I could not forget the trauma I went through. I can forgive it, but it doesn't mean I'm going to forget it. Um, it does not mean that I don't want healthy boundaries between me and those who have trespassed against me. You know, it doesn't mean we have to have sure. these kumbaya moments. Or, hey, let's do Christmas together. I know you raped me, but let's go. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't mean that because I forgive, it doesn't mean I don't seek justice. You know, I'm not saying it's okay mm-hmm. because I forgave you. You know, I don't think it was. I still think that that whatever you did deserves to get uh, punished in the proper way. So because I've forgiven doesn't mean I'm like, okay, now you're off the hook. No, you raped me. I may have forgiven you through Christ, but I still think you should seek justice. And for me, I believe forgiveness can be daily. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread and help us forgive those who trespass against us. I think that's that's a, both a daily occurrence. Lord, give us our daily bread and help us forgive yeah. daily. He doesn't say daily, but I believe those concepts are connected to mm-hmm. say forgive. So I think once I got a, a good perspective about forgiveness, that I'm forgiving you, but I, I don't forget. I'm forgiving you, mm-hmm. but I'm going to still have boundaries. I'm forgiving you, sure. but... You know, I, I I still want to seek justice. I'm forgiving you today, and I'm going to forgive you tomorrow. And by the grace of God, I'm going to forgive you the next day. Then I was able to say, Lord, if that's what forgiveness is, that I basically just put everything in your hands and know that you are a just and fair God, then I can do that. But if you say to me, hey, let's go and have a picnic with the person who stole so much from you, I don't know if that's forgiveness. I think forgiveness is saying, God, I have let it go and I've given it to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think if you look in Matthew chapter six, I think it's 33 and 34, where it talks about seek first the kingdom of God. And and that's one thing, too, that I think you you talk about that. Give us this day our daily bread. It is that and going back to Romans, um, that daily renewal of your mind. This is something that in this fallen state that we have in this fallen flesh it, it it has to be daily. It's not, what am I going to do next week? It's not, what am I going to do next month? It's, what am I going to do right now? Because if you look in Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks all, over and over again about how life is only a couple That's of right. days, right? And And life is but a vapor. So it's like, you can't get so fixated on how am I going to be reacting to this situation tomorrow? It's, Lord, give me strength today in this right. moment going back to Matthew to seek first the kingdom right now, because if I'm seeking first the kingdom right now, and I'm worrying about uh, uh, submitting this situation, submitting whatever I'm going through to you, 
what does he tell them in that passage that that the the flowers they don't work for their beauty but they're more beautiful than Solomon in all right. of his glory right. so how much more worthy are you how much more worth are you than flowers you know so it's like if you just give me this moment and you are truly submitting it to me I'm going to take care of your That's tomorrow right. you know and I'm I'm going to be there for you tomorrow and it's just that daily walking in forgiveness like you said that daily walking in and then understanding too that we we are all fallen and we are all messed up. We all have our issues. And just think about the grace and the mercy that he has towards us to know that we are going to have all these faults and issues. And still, before the foundations of the earth were laid, the lamb has been Amen, slain. You know what I'm saying? So, so to have that kind of love for us to say, I already know you're going to do all this. And our plan, Jesus and, and God, the Father and the Holy Spirit, the plan still is going to be, I'm going to go and die on the cross for these people that are so broken and so messed up. And that's the thing too. And it's not, I'm going to die on the cross and then they don't have a choice. It's I'm going to die on the cross for them and forgive them of their sins. But ultimately they get to choose whether or not they want to take this that's free right. gift. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You and, know? and I think, you know, in a lot of ways, that's the journey of forgiveness. You know, God is reaching mm -hmm. out, extending his hand saying, I want to take you through it. It, it may it may look different for everyone, but I'm sure it's the same struggle. You still have to crucify the flesh, be that living sacrifice, mm. tame that tongue, and walk by faith. And and I remember when I first got saved, I I didn't know anything from Adam. You know, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I, I you know, and I remember somebody saying, "You have to forgive." And I remember that word being so loud because I thought they meant I had to forgive my abuser, and I wasn't ready to do that. I didn't even understand that. You know. I thought I was justified and I couldn't wait for that person to, to get everything that was coming to them because of what they stole from me. And I, and I remember in my prayer closet, the Lord saying, Mark, by faith, you can move a mountain. By faith, you can tell a tree to be replanted. And I, I didn't really understand that. I didn't understand what faith was. I didn't understand how it moved things. And really in my heart of hearts, you know, the Lord spoke to me. It wasn't audible, but it was in my in my soul, my spirit. Sure. The Lord said to me, he said, Mark, can, can you move a pebble? I'm like, yeah, God, I, I can move a pebble. And that's what we focused on, just moving that pebble. And then the Lord would say, hey, Mark, can, can you move a stone? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can move a little, you know, a little. Can you move a rock? Can you move a boulder? Can you move a hill? Can you move mm. a mound? And every, as it just become greater and greater. And obviously I was learning God's nature. I was learning the word. I, I was seeing and leaning upon the word. I was walking by faith. I didn't know that, but I was walking. And then one day, many, many, many years with ups and downs and lefts and rights, the Lord would say, Mark, are you ready to move a mountain? I knew that mountain mm. was, was to forgive my mom and forgive that person. And boy, I, everything inside of me said, no, God, I'm not ready to. No, I don't want to. It's, why do I have to? And I, I remember the Lord said, well, how'd you move the pebble and the stone, stone and the boulder and the hill and the mound? And, you know, I said, you helped me. And he said, I'll help you move. I'll help you move this mountain of forgiveness. And, and the Lord helped me do that. Mm -hmm. And he let me know. I said, Lord, why do I have to forgive? Because he told me to forgive. And that's what the journey of, of forgiving the nightmare is all about is, a genuine, honest trail where where you heard it. It's the freedom that I found. Not the denial, not the forget, not to let it go, but it's the freedom in Christ. I forgave my mom. I forgave the person who abused me. We didn't have those kumbaya moments and there was, there was healthy boundaries, but I still forgave them in Christ. And by letting that mm -hmm. go, that I found a freedom and a peace in me and I had to learn to know that God's bigger than all the hurt and all the pain. And I don't say that lightly. I know right. how deep that hurt pain is. But God became bigger than all the lies and the hurts. And that's what I lean on. I lean on Jesus Christ. And I talk about that, the journey I went on. But I also talk about what I call trail markers. Uh, you know, I like to hike mountains. Mm -hmm. I like to be in the woods. And, and when you're hiking, you have to follow the trail markers or you get lost. So I use uh, about 10 trail markers. I call them trail markers. 10 things that keep me on the path, you know, to kind of inspect my own heart, if you would. So say, hey, Lord, have, have, I, have I drifted a little bit? Have I, have I gotten too far away from the path? So I use these. And I, that's what I talk about in my book. And, 
And I talk about the, the freedom that I found, the hope that I found, and the value that I found that this lie that was trying to keep me down, trying to say, this is all you'll ever be. The, the past will be the sum of your future. Oh, and, I, and God set me free and allowed me to become a child of God. Uh, I'm, a, I'm far from perfect, ask my family, but I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor. I try to be a friend, uh, you know, so uh, you know, try to live a life and grow and mature every day. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And, and it just speaks to the grace and, and the mercy of God to be able to get you to that place. And one thing that the, the and you said a lot that that was really good. But the one word that I think stood out to me the most was how you said became God became bigger than the mountain. And I think that is the misconception for a lot of people because they think, OK, I'm supposed to forgive. So this should be instant. Right. This should be happening right, right now. And like you said, it 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 is a process. And even if it's you, you don't have enough strength to walk, just crawl like it, it's it's just that process of. Even if you're just crawling toward the mark, he's with you the whole time. And when it's time, he's going to lift you up. And then you're like you said, you're going to be able to move those obstacles out of the way because ultimately God is bigger than all of those obstacles that you see in your life, all of the lies of this world and from the enemy. But it it is a process. It's not something that is instant. And so I love how you worded that, how God became bigger to, than, to you because that's where the faith sure, building came sure. in, right? You know, and on that yeah. journey, the altar was always constant. I found myself at the, at the altar. I was angry at the altar. I cried at the altar. Sure. I celebrated. The altar was always constant. The place I went to pray, you know, my prayer closet. But the Lord also sent other people on, on that journey with me. You know, he gave me mentors. He gave mm. me counselors. He gave me coaches. He gave me pastors and teachers and friends and my spouse and it just, he, you know, I didn't do this in a bubble. I didn't do it alone. Uh, you know, he led me by his word, by his spirit. But he also sent those others that, that would hold up my hands. He sent those others that would speak truth into me. He sent in those words that would say, knock it off. And go. so all, all everything I needed, the Lord sent me. So, you know, it wasn't just me going to church mm. and saying, okay, God, you know, every time I went to church, I love how the altar was the thread through it all, the word of God, the place of prayer, the spirit of the Lord. But again, there was days where I wasn't strong enough. You know, when the man gets healed, uh, his friends pass him through the roof. You know, they're out there in the book of Ma mm -hmm. Mark, you know, Mark chapter two, when mm -hmm. the, the paralytic man gets healed, his friends put him through the roof and Jesus looks at, up at the hole in the roof and says, "Your by your faith, there was times that I couldn't go. There's times I wanted to live in my, in my sorrow and justified, no way, God, do I want to let go. But I had enough friends that would say, let me, um, let me, you know, lift you up in faith and prayer today. A lot of people ask me if I had to forgive myself. And that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Did I have to forgive myself? And I had to look at the scriptures and say, you know, I don't think theologically the Bible ever tells me to forgive myself. But I understand the question. But what the Bible does tell me is to love myself. Love myself as I mm -hmm. love my neighbor. Uh, it doesn't say forgive, but it mm -hmm. says love. And the abuse stole mm -hmm. the love that I had for myself. Not mm -hmm. that I'm this, 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 you know, not that I'm narcissistic. But no, that, I know what you're saying. By loving God yeah. and knowing how much God loved me, it was e it was easier for me to love myself. So the more I love God, the more mm -hmm. I, I knew I was a child of God, and the more love in a very humble way and in, in not not in an explosive way but in a humble way, i was able to love yeah. myself and by loving myself i was able to start loving my neighbors yeah yeah it's yeah that's so good because i think it's a lot the the enemy tries to steal like you said he came to steal kill and destroy but god jesus said i've come to give you life and life to the fullest and you look in john fifteen sixteen where um I think one thing that people need to understand too is like we are chosen. Right. That's what it says in John fifteen sixteen. We are we are chosen. We've been bought with a price, and you know he he loves us. And despite what you might be going through, despite whatever pain that you're going through, um, you know he he's with us the whole time. And your story, whatever pain that you're going through, it can be used to help sure. somebody else. Sure. You know, and it could be used ultimately to do what you're doing now, which is to point people to. Christ and say, yeah, you know, I went through all these things, but 
Jesus was with me the whole time. And, and, you know, by his grace and mercy, I'm able and to I share my story. One of the greatest lies of the enemy, no matter what your trauma is, yeah. no matter what hurt has tried to hold you back, the enemy would say, you're the only one. No one will understand. No one will come beside you. They'll reject you and rebuke you and think less of you. That's right. But that's just a lie. There's millions of people out there that have walked through whatever you've walked through. There's millions of people that have been abused. There's millions of people that have been addicted. There's been millions of people that have dealt with disease and death and sorrow and pain and rejection and fear. But there are people out there that want to help. Uh, they don't always have, they're not perfect people, but they have, they've been through their story and they want to share their story with you. And today with online and, and, and all many, so many tools to be able to find journeys out there uh, that can come beside you and help you on your journey. People out there help you on your journey. So, uh, you know, that's a lie yeah. of the enemy that just wants to isolate you, isolate and say you're the only mm -hmm. one. But cry out to God uh, more than once. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you know, it was almost daily. So still. Here. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why you see. I, I can't remember if it's in first or second Timothy where Paul talks about how we're not alone in the fight. So basically community, we need to be lifting each other up in prayer because the battle that we're going through, it's not, I'm paraphrasing, but it's not solely our battle. Like the fight that we're facing, our brothers across, the, you know, everywhere are facing the same obstacles and, and, and ultimately the same opposition that we're going sure. up against. Right. right. So there's, there's captivity and there's uh, um, slavery. Like it talks about in Galatians chapter five, being tied down to that yoke of slavery all those things are like you said when you're alone when you when you are in the dark but Jesus talks about how there's freedom you know, like who the sun sets yeah. free is free indeed there's freedom in the light and when you bring these issues and bring these problems to the light the only way that i'm assuming the only way that you're able to speak other than the grace of god is you have found that freedom in Amen. the light. Amen. You know what I'm saying? You, you've brought these issues. You've brought these problems that you have faced in your life to the light. And you're pointing back to God and saying, you know, this is all because right. of him. That's right. right? Well, I think we talked yeah. about that before. This story, my book, my testimony, my ministry is built upon Jesus Christ. And that's who I want to lift up. The Lord said, if we lift up the Lord, yeah. if we lift him up, he'll draw all men unto thee. And I say this because I That's know right. uh, culture, uh, sometimes we let the women who walk through this, they, they talk about it far more than the men do. But statistics would tell you it's almost even of how many men that have been abused like women that have been abused. But, mm. you know, pains kind of come out. Uh, pain come out of people in many different ways. Uh, we try to hide it. We try to bury it. Yeah. But hurt, pain, sorrow is going to come out of you. And, uh, you know, as a man that's walked through this, that had many questions about my life and why and how and up and when and what I want to share with people that, that there's a hope, there's a peace. It doesn't have to identify you uh, because you share doesn't make you weak or less than uh, you can still be uh, whatever God's called you to be and let this testimony uh, just reflect God. The Bible says where I am weak, he is strong. And uh, many years ago, tried to hold this story back and just tried to, torment me with it but when i turned it to god i said god my testimony is your testimony and he did great things with it uh, there's so much more uh you know i tell people when i grew up i survived my childhood i wasn't raised so i was a i still am a dyslexic and when god tells a dyslexic person to write a book um <laughs> you begin to laugh he's got a he's, he's got a up. sense of humor you know, he's got, he's got a sense that. of humor i talk about being able to meet my my bi biological father at 45, you know, our, our paths crossed right mm. at the perfect time. And he asked me to forgive him. He said, you know, I wasn't there in your life. Wow. Will you forgive me? Uh, you know, so there was all kinds of things in my story and uh, about how uh, there was a woman in my church who asked me to read in front of the youth group. I was about, you know, 17, 16 years old. And, and I didn't want to read because I couldn't read. And after service, she invited me back to our house, not that day, but she invited me back to our house to start teaching me how to read. Uh, she homeschooled her kids and she was teaching me and, and mm -hmm. I ended up marrying that woman's daughter. Uh, so, you know, that's what 
my wife. Wow. I'm learning how to read, but that's where I met my wife. So, so you know, there's so much to my story. When I went to Bible college, how people rejected me because I was a special ed student. And I went to this college and mm. the dean said to me, do you have a call? I said, yes. And that earlier that week, the Lord sent a woman to start a learning center. And I was her first student. And she's still a, a friend of mine today. So, you know, God just ordered my path. He directed my steps. He led me even to the book. Uh, my mom is gone now. My, the abuser is gone now. They're no longer with us. But, you know, uh, God has given me the freedom to say, I've forgiven those who trespassed against me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, we're almost at an hour, so I'm not going to keep you too much longer. But uh, sure. just a couple more questions. Um, one, you go through all that for so long. How, what kind of mindset did that put you in when, as you got older and got married and, and the way that you looked at your kids once you and your wife were blessed with kids? What, well, what, that's a great question. How did that Boy, affect you? Take a while to answer that. Sure. Though, when those things hurt you, when those uh, scars, there's scars, right? Emotional scars, physical scars, mental scars, it always kind of changes or, or tries to steal from you for looking at things healthy. Uh, so what happened, I'll never forget mm -hmm. that I was, my son and all my children are very confident children. Uh, and I, and I, you know, I was not, I was not, my wife and I are not competitive, mm -hmm. but as confident goes, I was not a confident guy. And I remember watching my son and my daughters, they volunteer. They want to be the first one. They raise their hands. They want to be involved. And I thought to myself one day, I said, Lord, why are my kids so confident? <laughs> Where do they get that from? You know? And he said, it's because they have a dad. They have a mom and dad who loves them and gave them mm. the atmosphere to, uh, to be confident to make mistakes because they always know there's a, there's a roof, there's a bowl of food in front of them, but there's love from a father. And, uh, you know, so that sure. just gave me such a peace to know uh, my kids don't have to carry this junk. Uh, that my kids don't have to carry this mm. pain. And, and I am the generation that's stopping as much as I can, uh, you know, passing down this ugliness that I grew up under, uh, not just the abuse, but the, the yelling and the fighting and the chaos you know, all that was surrounding my, me, I've become the dam, if you would, by Jesus Christ's grace. I became the dam that's not passing it down. So I see my kids having a totally different life than I, they don't know what I went through. They don't know. They, they've heard me talk about it. They look at me and go, okay, dad. You know, and I'm so blessed by that. <laughs> but they don't know the, the sting of the dysfunction. Uh, and, I, and I think that's so, mm -hmm. yeah, I think all those things, you become a little bit more protective. Uh, you know, your marriage sure. again, you first, you know, when's a girl going to leave me? Everybody leaves me, but by the grace of God, you begin to heal and forgive and get a, the fullness of Christ in your mind. He transforms our mind, you know? Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Getting me choked up a little bit. Cause like I said, I just, I think about my kids when I hit, you know, anytime kids are brought up or anything like that, I always, you know, my, my kids and my wife yeah. are my number one earthly priority. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it just, you know, it, it touches me. Um, but uh, so what would you, what would you tell? I know you've, you've kind of already touched on it several times here, but if you were to be able to speak with a person that was going through something like this, what, what would one, the, the biggest piece of advice you feel like you would well, need to like share with them? Before, you're not alone. You're not, alone. Yeah. you're not bad. Yeah. You know, I tell people at my church uh, that none of us live a perfect life. We all live forgiven lives, mm -hmm. redeemed lives. You mm -hmm. know, if God's looking for perfection, then boy, he wouldn't have called me. But I live a forgiven life. I live a redeemed life. I live a life that's been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I would tell somebody today that where it starts for me, and I believe the true place to find forgiveness starts at the foot of the cross. Not a religion, not a, a, not a, a tradition, but knowing Jesus Christ would be where I would start. And that prayer can look as genuine and honest as you are. Uh, you know, you don't have to pray like the guy on TV. You don't have to pray the guy on the uh, on the webcast or the, the podcast, but, you know, just talk to God and be real. So seek God, know you're not alone, and be ready for that honest journey, that honest journey where uh, it hurts, it hurts, but it's it's beautiful too.
Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, you want to tell the people where to where they could find the book, where they could find you sure. on social media, sure. anything well, like that? Well, the best place to find me is go to our website, forgivingthenightmare.com. Mm-hmm. You'll see some videos. You'll you hear some testimonies. You'll see where we're going and what we're doing. You could you can find a link to the book there. So forgivingthenightmare.com. I'll do it in my radio voice. Ready? Forgivingthenightmare.com. So let's call that. Uh, there you or, go. Or if you just want the book, say, hey, buddy, I just want to look into the book. You can go to Amazon, Amazon, and check out the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon, you know, just type in Amazon books, uh, Forgiving the Nightmare. You can buy it off Amazon. Uh, and again, if you want to check me out, Forgiving the Nightmare on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, all the all the social media platforms, either my name, Mark Sowersby, or our book, Forgiving the Nightmare. So I'd love to connect with you and, and hear you and hear your story. And it's Sowersby. That's S-O-W-E-R-S-B-Y. Mark Sowersby. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Man, this was this was awesome. This was a great conversation. I thank you so very much for coming on. I'm honored to have you come on and share your testimony with us. Is there any, any final words hey, of encouragement just, or anything again, like that you want to leave we'll people trust with? Trust the Lord, lean on God, and be real. We serve a real God who loves us. Uh, but I want to thank you for having me. Thank you for... Uh, uh, allowing me to share my testimony. Thank you for allowing me to lift up the name of Jesus. Now I have to think about who who my scariest villain is. You know, <laughs> I, I think yeah. I got it. Right? You got to do some. Right? I'm leaving I you with some homework. I got it now. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to know this, but there was a movie called Space Odyssey 2001. I don't know if you've ever heard that movie. It comes from the 70s. I and, can't say and that. The enough. computer okay. was named Hal. H-A-L. Okay. The reason why they named it Hal, because they wanted to take every letter other than IBM. So every letter after IBM, I, H, Mm -hmm. you know, V, A, they they wanted to, so the car, and it was a scary psychological uh, enemy because it was the computer, and the computer was shutting down everything to this guy, you know, and it was very calm. It was like, hi, Hal. I'm going to yeah. shut off life support now. You know, so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, so yeah, so Hal was probably one of the scariest uh, because it's just so calm. But, yeah, I'm dating myself. Yeah. My, my Mercury yeah. Maverick, my my mullet, you know, uh, you know, my, and Hal, Space Odyssey 2001. I'm really dating myself now. But for anybody over 50, they'll probably know what I'm talking about. So. Well, it all comes back full circle. So we finally figured out that was the question that everybody has been wanting to know. That's that's why they waited this long. They wanted to find out who was it, who was his favorite villain. So it all came back full circle. So (laughs) thank you again so much for coming on. And uh, yes, sir. So thank you guys so very much for listening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. God bless you guys. Y'all stay safe. Hopefully we will see you, Lord willing, same time next week. God bless you guys. Remember, we are all called to act, so let's get after it. God bless you guys. All right.